You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hey, this is Ariel Hawani, host of the MMA Hour on the Vox Media Podcast Network. Each week, we interview the biggest names in the world of mixed martial arts and beyond. So tune in live every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern over at MMAfighting.com or download the show afterwards on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you then. All right, welcome back to the Limited Upside Podcast. It's mid-November, which means it's time for the Limited Upside All-Stars. These are not actual All-Stars. These are me, I'm Ben Epstein, Mike Prada, and uh, Alex Rubenstein was in studio with us today, as he's been uh, known to do now. And this is us telling you who our no-brainer All-Star is. That's the star among stars. We're going to tell you who one of the past All-Stars, who might be in a different role that we really like what they're doing this season, who that is. We're going to tell you about a potential first-time All-Star this year. We're going to tell you about a great role player who, for some reason, we just absolutely love, and we give good reasons for why. And then we're going to tell you about a bench guy who's just like our guy. Those are the five components, the five players that we're going to be selecting. Mike, Alex, and myself all picked those, plus our listeners gave us great lists of their own. But before you listen to this podcast, please go and uh, rate, subscribe, review, all those good things. This is part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SBNation.com backslash MBA, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts from. Uh, and with those subscribing and the rating and the reviewing and all of that, um, which we really do truly appreciate, you can also send us questions. Well, that's going to be on Twitter. Uh, and you can send those questions to at Mike Prada SBN, at limited underscore upside or at EpiBen, just like you'll see in today's podcast. We love when we get uh, we get those questions, we get your opinions, because they help us move this podcast along, keep it interesting, and keep it fresh. So we appreciate that, uh, as always. So sit back and enjoy the limited upside all-stars, which, mind you, are not all all-stars, because this is limited and, and the upside is, is minimal. So enjoy the limited upside. What would you have done if uh, LeBron was put my on? put my arm around him? Do you, okay? Do you think you would have actually done that, or do you think like that's yeah. what you would? You're I'm good with celebrities. Do? Yeah. See, I'll admit yeah. that what I probably would have done was run away. <laughs> I probably would have run away. I wouldn't have like kind of given him like the can you not? I would have just seen him coming and gotten frozen up and just like walked away. You would have been like panicked with with he, the fear of. Seeing this celeb, like seeing this LeBron would, James in front of you, I, it's you've not interviewed that, like, like John Wall before. No, I know. Like it's not like it, it's not that I see them and I like am scared of these people. Like because yeah, you're right. Like you talk to players yeah. when you go to games. Like it's yeah. not that weird. What's weird is that what you fear is that it's not when you like are talking to someone before a game. You can kind of mentally prepare to. Like, you know, you what your you're questions talk- in mind. Yes. Yeah. Like you sort of have to like rehearse a little bit of like, even if you're just talking to them just to talk to them. I mean, mm-hmm. at least for me, like I have to like kind of think about exactly what I'm going to say. Right. That would have just sprung up so organically and like kind of wildly that I would have panicked because I wouldn't know what to do. Yeah. And like my mind would start to race. And it's like at the end of the day, <laughs> it's just the simplest thing. Like I wouldn't know whether to like introduce myself and be like, hi, I work for SB Nation or whether I could <laughs> like, I could just like act like the cool person. That's like the, can I have a selfie with you? But then I'd be thinking like that's sort of undignified for a professional writer. And <laughs> this, this would all float in my head and I wouldn't know what to do. See, that's true. We have different lenses. Like you're a professional writer and, and I'm not. 
And uh, but I you're a professional podcaster. I'm a professional podcaster. <laughs> what I would have what I would have done likely, and I like that we're doing this in retrospect, is some kind of comment about how, hey man, LeBron. Everyone who said negative shit about you on Facebook for the last six years, I hope you know I have been a champion of and for you. That's it. You would have done that? I would have liked to have said something that he knows that I'm one of those people who's been thick and thin through the LeBron gauntlet. How many people do you think come up to him and say shit like that? Not bro? many, I don't think. Man, people, I bet a lot people, I think most people fall into your bucket, which is like, starstruck, let me get a picture, whatever. I like to think, and again, I might in that moment have no words to say, right. pee my pants a little bit and run away. See, I think I think you have to be realistic about yourself. Like, but, I, is this what you aspire to do, or what is the? Yeah, have like, have this happened to you with other stars? I mean, we met GSP last week here. You know, yeah. the number, the biggest UFC star, one of them. You know, like I right. felt totally comfortable when when we had Baron Davis on. Neither of us felt remotely starstruck. No, that I, was I totally fun, agree. Right? But but that was they were coming into yeah, like right. our setting. LeBron in we the subway. Were, hey, that's our setting. I take the subway every <laughs> single day. I guess. This is technically not his setting. <laughs> it's definitely not his setting. Welcome to my world. But, you know, the other thing, too, is it's not LeBron. It's LeBron and the whole team. Right, right, right. I think that adds a whole other dynamic. If it's just like LeBron, like, chilling on the subway. It's a dead giveaway. I feel like dead giveaway for what? No, like, something's up. It's not like a normal situation when you see, oh, right. there's 12, 12 six-foot-eight guys. <laughs> With their hoods up, all riding the subway together, yeah. dressed in in the same exact Cleveland Cavalier garb, uh, to the to that comedian who like tried to play it off like, "What does he play football?" Yeah, dude, he plays football. That's the whole football team. There's twelve right. guys on every football team. It's also like, like LeBron is recognizable to even non sports. Of course, he's the most recognized. <laughs> I used to have a picture growing up, and we're gonna slow roll. This is all going on. Oh yeah, we're yeah, gonna yeah, just absolutely. keep this going yeah, into yeah, the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I used to have a picture growing up, and it was just the back of Michael Jordan's head. It was cut out of like a two part. It was How could you and, tell and had, the back of his head? Because he had the most, this is what I'm getting at. The back of Michael Jordan's head was more identifiable than the front of most people in the NBA's Really? Face. What for, did it for look decades. like? How could you How could Man, you, you know that shaved head, the ears, you just, you know, in your head, you can see what Michael Jordan's back of his head looks like. Well, LeBron is that now in a whole different way because, you know, because of social media, because of ways for him to have his face and message and we know what he stands for politically. And like LeBron is like way more out there and right. like ubiquitous, even in a lot of ways than Jordan was, even though Jordan is, is still oh, a Oh, he's so much brand. more ubiquitous than yeah. Jordan is because, I mean, if you follow politics and you yeah. you are following Donald Trump and the NFL well, controversy, you yeah. would have known that LeBron tweeted you bomb at him. Yeah, and like the other thing is that I know what LeBron stands for. On most topics. Well, you do, but I don't know. I guess if you don't follow yeah, sports yeah, regularly, right. you don't. Yeah. The thing that – I think the fact that they're, the whole team was made it more intimidating. Because like, think about like the, the worst-case scenario from an embarrassment standpoint is that you go up and you say what you say. Say, oh, I've been supporting you thick and thin, blah, 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 blah. And he doesn't say thank you. Instead, he and the entire team mocks your fandom. Right, right, right. All yeah. in front of every other people, like other other folks, or like maybe he doesn't mean to mock and he means to be friendly. But it, you know, they they all like react yeah. like and they laugh. Well, or if something. Jeff Green was laughing at me, I'd be like, no, 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 not you, Jeff Green. You don't get to laugh <laughs> at this. But Dwayne Wade was sitting right there. I know. So I like, that's the problem. It's funny. Dwayne Wade was really good in the fourth quarter last night. Like at everything but the shooting aspects of mm-hmm. the game. He had some nice layups, good flexions, defense, big rebounds, and you realize that like not to get into actual basketball conversation we realize there's like still things he does at a pretty elite level yeah for like six minutes at a time
This is a good time to segue, I guess, into what we were doing on this show. <laughs> Hello, up, Mike. I'm Mike. I'm Ben, yes. We're the Limited Upside Podcast, and on this episode of the show, we decided to do something a little bit different. We are very biased people, as you all know. (laughs) Like, we have certain things that we irrationally like and dislike. We don't exactly hide the fact that we're Sixers and Wizards fans. We don't exactly hide the fact that we like certain players more than others. I hope you don't come to us thinking that you're going to get the objective truth (laughs) behind these players. Right. I mean, of course not. I hope you don't. Yeah. I mean, we try to be fair, but I think we're we're better off declaring our biases. Yeah, of course. Let's do it on this podcast. That's we'll do it on this podcast. Yeah. So here's what we're gonna do. We have, and maybe we'll get our friend Alex Rubenstein coming in. We also asked a bunch of you. We asked you guys to name basically who your favorite is for these five categories of players: no brainer superstar, mm-hmm. veteran all star, former all star that. Perhaps is going to a more role player role. That is a pretty ro- broad definition, and <laughs> I think some of these players that we might talk about might actually make the all-star mm-hmm. team. But they're not the number one guy on their team, and they might have been back in the day. Yeah. The emerging possible first-time all-star, which for many of us leaned very heavily Eastern Conference. Yep, yep. The role player that we think is really underrated, and we'll just argue with you to the death about how this player is better than <laughs> Star X on your favorite team. Yes. And just random guy off the bench, sort of maybe playing bench minutes that we just like. Yep. We just like when he comes in the game, he thinks he should play more minutes. Yeah. So we took the survey ourselves, <laughs> and we also asked you guys to submit your answers. So we're going to put together the official limited upside all-stars, but not all-stars in terms of team quality. All-stars in terms of, like, here are, like, our favorite players. Here's the players that we're going to stand for Yep. no matter what. And so now you know in future podcasts, so when we start talking about these players, you can listen to us. <laughs> we're invested. But you can also understand that we really like these guys maybe a little more than we should. Yep. That's a good rundown. Um, I want to start this off with, <sighs> with saying that the guy who I've picked, and I'm going to just tell you my, my no-brainer is the first place that we'll start here. My no-brainer superstar is someone who is not even someone who's been an all-star before. Mm. But living here in New York City, feeling the hype, feeling the fact that Carmelo Anthony is now on the Oklahoma City Thunder mm-hmm. and that it is finally really fully his team, Kristaps Porzingis is like magnetic. Like There's an attraction to watching him play. The garden's fully behind him. He's my no-brainer superstar, and he has brought what seemingly was one of the three or four worst teams in the NBA, again, it's early, to being relevant. And when the garden's relevant, basketball's better. That's a, it feels like an obvious statement. It's cliche, but it's true. But it's true. And you watch a, a, you know, a Monday night game at the Garden between a bumbling Cavs team that doesn't care anymore, or not anymore, but at this point yet. And it was still about Kristaps and LeBron. And the fact that like that was the matchup it in the Chris fourth Ops quarter. And Kristaps didn't even have a great game. He didn't have a great game at all. But, but, it, was still but it was two, a good game overall. And was those two on that defining possession yep. that LeBron nailed a three in his eye. He did. And it was a great <laughs> shot by LeBron. But yeah, Kristaps is my no-brainer star. At this point, Like holding back on giving him accolades just feels stupid. So did, what do you think of the, his... This whole winking when did you see that thing where he winked at Dwight Howard when he picked up a bullshit foul on him? <laughs> no, but I like. I that. love yeah. it. That was one of my favorite. Chris it's very Joel Embiid of him. Yeah, and he was. <laughs> if you watched last night's game, he was doing some serious flopping. Oh man, there in were a hilarious one, way. one where he fla- and I worry about that a little bit because he has bursitis in his right elbow, right? And he landed on it no shortage of like seven times last yeah. night. But it it wasn't like he was 
creating a foul where it wasn't one. He was basically like kind of signaling to the ref, like they're fouling. They're me. fouling me. Yeah. You know, there's like two different kinds of flops, but it does show like his bravado and his silent confidence. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and it's not in your face. It's sort of like he laughs at you for it. Yeah, I mean, when he blocked Zeller's shot. I don't want to give the credit to the wrong Zeller. Tyler Zeller, I believe. What? Who are they playing? Hornets. That would be Cody, Cody. Zeller. Damn it. <laughs> Tyler, oh, you're Tyler. saying like the yeah, Charles anyhow. Smith moment yeah, that, where it yes. was like when he blocked the shot four times, stuffed, stuffed again by by Porzingis. The final one was just like a on the heels of his feet, just like a big open handed slap, like yeah. the kind that uh, <laughs> Rick James gave Charlie Murphy. Um, but with that, <laughs> that's a Chappelle show reference that Mike didn't get. I, I, he I stares blankly at me. I, I watched okay. Chappelle show. Um, but that was what it was. It was just like five just fingers a, on the ball. Clack. Well, that's what he did. It was like he wasn't even paying attention anymore. He's like, is this guy really going to shoot again? Um, so he's my no brainer superstar. Mike, I'm going to take a guess at yours and you can tell wonder, me if I'm right. I wonder who it is. I'm going to guess that Giannis. Is the superstar that you're going to pick for the no-brainer? Wow, like you read me so well. Yeah. Well, How would it have not been possible? <laughs> How could you have possibly figured out that it was going to be Giannis Antetokounmpo? I maybe. I now give you the plug right now. Everyone, go check out uh, Prada's pictures on SB Nation. He just did a, a great breakdown on Giannis, what makes him so special. Go check that out. Very visual. It puts illustration to all of what Mike's going to be talking about right right now. I just look. He, he's different, man. Like you don't. Th- there have been like proto Porzingai in the past. You know, one who currently plays for the Dallas Mavericks in particular. You know, there's not a proto Giannis. Proto Porzingai <laughs> should have been pro- sounds proto- like a type Porzingis. of mushroom. <laughs> there, there's no proto Giannis. Like I just. We don't need to argue about like where he ranks in the MVP conversation, or if like he has to to win the playoffs, he has to learn how to shoot, yeah. and like that was sort of the subject of the video. Is like guys, like let's take a step back. You do realize he's averaging thirty four points a game, <laughs> number one in the league in the last twenty years in points in the paint without a jumper. So like he's doing just fine. Like and his jumper's not that bad. Just someone, I mean, look, it's not Steph Curry or Clay Thompson. It's but, not great. But f- its form is getting better. He still fades a little bit on it, but that's partially because it creates separation. I just think that the idea that like without a jumper is is very it's it's not 100% anymore. Like he's actually starting to learn how to shoot a jumper. But you're right about his effectiveness in the paint around the basket. He shoots right. unfathomable numbers like Close to eighty percent around the basket, or whatever yep. it is. So he's shooting 29 percent on threes. Okay, but like, that's that's not very good. It's not good, but it's also and it's he's not, not that shooting bad. all that well on long twos. And I have to pull up the the mm-hmm. number, but but so what? What is something about him that's star though outside of what he does on the court? Like I like one of the things I love so much about Porzingis is like he has embraced this. Like he is, and this is they're both stars. Giannis is potentially the star amongst. Did you all see stars. how much it, uh, Nike gave him? No, it's a country. Well, actually, I don't know how much he gave him. Oh. But you have to think, he had a, one, they won a bidding war for him, so sure. obviously they gave him quite a bit. Like, well, this, this All-Star game this year, which is in Hollywood, or in, in the L.A., um, this is going to be the All-Star game they make about him. This is going to be so? a showering of yeah. praise, and he'll he'll be the guy who they before the game they're like, look for so and so to. It's just going to be look for Giannis to win the MVP, and then he'll be the one who gets to take more shots. And he almost won it last year, remember? yeah. <laughs> but yeah, sure. no, I think you're right. This is sort of going to be his showcase. Yeah. Um, no, I, I just think so much of it is tied to how he plays on the court and off it, because not only does he there's there no proto Giannis on the court in terms of style. There's not really a pro to Giannis in terms of his background, his level of enthusiasm for certain things, his thirst for learning stuff, his, I think, unselfishness Mm -hmm. in a way that is so unique. And really, I mean, we'll see how much this holds up because you do see a lot 
these stars that start off in these small markets and then they grow up and realize they want to go somewhere bigger. Sure. He loves being where he is and he loves his position on the on the team and what he does. You have to kind of tamp him up a little bit more and right. see like tell him you are the best and you are amazing. And so it's like every game he's doing something and every time he talks he's doing something that just breaks the mold of like any player, any star that sure. we see. And so that's why he's so interesting. We the jumper thing is sort of a metaphor. We look at <laughs> players like that and we're like, oh, they all have to learn how to shoot because everybody who has gotten good in this way, they've gotten good because they need the jump shot to provide a threat right. and stop this standard defense that we've seen a zillion times. But Giannis is getting better by like, just shattering norms. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's the thing that I just love. Maybe that's the true essence of a star is providing something new. You know. But who else in the league? There are a lot of great players and a lot of uh, one of the running jokes I have is that there's like a zillion unicorns now and so there's the Therefore, term is lost. Yeah, the yeah. term is lost all meaning. But what what other player can you look at them and say, I have no idea what the like who in the past or currently is like this player? I mean, even again, Porzingis, there have been like proto Porzingai kind of. Yeah. Joel and B, there have been big centers that are athletic before. Yeah, like, I get what you're saying, that Porzingis is like a 7.0 iteration of something that's existed before. Right. That some kind of combination of, like, young Shaq and uh, Olajuwon is, like, MB. That they're, right. like, are, are facsimiles to the guys who Olajuwon's we have Olajuwon's a pretty good comparison, actually. I yeah. mean, maybe not as quick, but... No, um, Embiid's not nearly as explo- as explosive or quick as Olajuwon. Right. I mean, Akeem is one of the most special athletes to ever play. I mean... As you know, he's the all-time leader in block shots, which you wouldn't expect from someone who isn't one of the seven-foot-two centers of all. Mm-hmm. But, um, but uh, you know, you're right. It's hard for me to, to kind of give you, like, even someone, like, as special as Russ or LeBron, athletically, there are precursors to them. There are guys who have been physically dominant guards or physically right. dominant small forwards who could pass really well, but I they think, are the next iterations. Yeah. LeBron, I think, is the closest thing we've had to, like, a totally new species in the league yeah. before Giannis. Agreed. Agreed. Um, and even and I, I, the reason I bring up Russ, too, is because I can't think of a guard who was as physically dominant as him, someone who could impose their will without, again— Taking a jump shot, but he can shoot. Uh, right. Obviously, this year not so well. Um, so anyhow, and Curry. Like, yeah, Steph is special, but maybe, there's been shooters before. Just no one is good at shooting. Right. right? Yeah. What we're saying is basically that the there there evolved forms of previous yeah. players. Like That's so, right. it might have been a player that played similar to Steph, but didn't shoot like yeah. that many threes, or just did it a little differently. So, so we have we 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 sourced this. We uh we put this out there to the Twitter sphere, and we got a lot James of James Harden answers. A lot, a lot of, of good Harden. responses. A lot of James Harden. Um. I'm seeing, let's see, I want to make sure I do this uh, correctly. We had a Boogie Cousins from Aaron Mohes. Uh, Boogie's on here a few times. We had Brandon, David Brandon gave us Russell Westbrook for that. Uh, Jokic appears in a number of different slots. Um, well, because he's like Porzingis, he's not an all-star. He's not an all-star yet, but he's a star. Um, so he's on there. That was... Um, Saw a couple of Kyrie Irvings. Guy named Lee. Uh, let's see, Kane Pittman gave us Giannis with obviously and... Uh, in parentheses, um, juicy interiors. Props to Boogie. You might not agree with that, though. I I, think, I'm with Boogie. Boogie I think Boogie's been amazing. Quite, I think Boogie's been quite fun this oh, year. Speaking of James Harden, here comes Alex Rubenstein. Hey, just in time to probably say Can something about James about James Harden. What, what James Harden stat are you going to give us yeah. to why he is, is the Alex star? Alex Rubenstein uh, friends among yes. stars. So this past week, he had at least 35 points and at least 13 assists in back-to-back games. 
first player since Tiny Archibald, like 45 years ago, to do that. If that was Russell Westbrook that did that, the whole media would have been covering <laughs> okay. that, but no one mentions it. <laughs> what, Alex, why is James Harden your favorite superstar to follow, watch in the league? Because I have never in my entire lifetime seen like seen a player even, I guess, other than LeBron, uh, but he doesn't count because he's LeBron, that's as good at scoring and passing as he is. It's it's mind-blowing how he can just create an offense single-handedly by himself. Yeah. That's a good answer. I mean, he, yeah. he is... Here's what I like about watching Houston now is I was skeptical a little bit of Chris Paul just because of the stylistic concerns. Like, it's actually really fun to just watch Harden dance around and then pass out to someone to shoot a 32-footer. It gets a little numbing sometimes. Like, they're averaging 45 threes a game, which I think is starting to get a little ridiculous. But it's just fun watching Harden when he cooks because, like you said, there is... There is no real answer. Uh, he can kind of just dribble around and like, wait for his opening. And, he, and when he's like making his mid-range shot, he can he can shoot threes. He can step back. He can drive. He can do all of it. And there's something like sort of primal and fun about watching him do that. And I just worry that Chris Paul coming back might take some of that away from an aesthetic point of view. They're probably going to be better, but it's there. I don't know if they're as fun to kind of watch. On I think short term they'll be worse. And they'll take some time, and then and then come the end of the season, they'll bear the fruits. Yeah, I mean, they played uh, what one game together? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, there's going to be some some learning curve there. But I am interested in that though, Mike, because and without derailing our conversation too much, but like one of the astounding hardened stats last year was the idea that he that the Rockets passed the ball, I think second least in the NBA, but were like second in assists per field goal, mm-hmm. which obviously is a pretty incredible stat, given that you would think teams that pass more would have more assists. But the idea is that Harden is such a strong playmaker and decision maker that you almost do your, your team a disservice by putting the ball in anyone else's hands. I mean, the offensive efficiency of the Rockets was through the fucking roof last year. Mm-hmm. So it's not like that. It has been that. recently, too. And it has been this year, I mean, too. F- yeah, for Harden to shoulder the, the burden that he does and still be as efficient as he is with over a point and a half per shot. Yeah. Like, well, the key is to never put any at all energy into defense. Which he's okay. done a okay. very good job of this year. And Clint Capella helps cover. Yeah, absolutely. We'll Clint Capella. He, he might find bit. his name on this list. But all right, we, we have lots of good suggestions from, from our listeners, and, and we appreciate those. But we should go on to the uh, past All Star who might be finding himself in maybe a different role, or maybe he'll be an All Star this year. But again, on a new team, someone who isn't like, oh, you know, five years ago Kyrie Irving or four years ago Kyrie Irving made the. Uh, all-star team with the Cavs, and this yeah. year he's going to make it with the Celtics. Like Kyrie Irving's a superstar. We don't need to. Yeah. He someone wouldn't be who has graduated All-Star. to a different stage so, of so their career. I'm going to give you someone here who I'm uh, a fan of for a personal reason because I have also torn my Achilles, and uh, <laughs> as every one of our listeners knows, Mario Chalmers didn't make the All-Star. No, team. actually, uh, neither did. Shout this. out to Mario. Has and this guy actually made the All-Star team that you're about to talk? No, nah, I'm not sure if he uh, ever I has. Don't think so. no, but yeah. Rudy, Rudy was a USA player, and that's good enough. Rudy Gay uh, has figured out how to be someone who five years ago, four years ago, was thought of as the antithesis to modern-day basketball. Mid-range twos, poor defense, ball stopper. Couldn't, you couldn't get a team to take him from Toronto. And now he's on the smartest team in the NBA, fulfilling an incredibly important role, uh, and a role that's already different than what he was signed up for, given Kawhi's injury. And Rudy Gay's been efficient and playing defense. And I guess part of it is you can teach a dog old tricks if they're willing to learn them. I think about Vince Carter, who had a complete career metamorphosis. And I think Rudy Gay can kind of maybe find himself in that role, whereas some guys, like Iverson, and and maybe we'll see what Carmelo decides to do, just will never relinquish who they thought they were. And that holds them back from getting to another part in their career where maybe they could still help a team win a championship. And so I'm really... 
have a lot of admiration for the work ethic that goes into coming back from an Achilles injury, let alone within one year. I mean, I was a fucking afraid to pick up a basketball for like 18 months. Granted, totally different worlds. But like, there is a mental and physical mm-hmm. component to that injury. And Rudy Gay, five stars, two thumbs up. Really big fan of what he's done so far this year uh, in the face of, of some physical adversity. And this isn't the first time Pop takes reclamation yep. projects. Like, I mean, you look at Michael Finley or Glenn Robinson, and he brings them in at the tail end of their careers and David he wins Lee. championships with them. <laughs> David Lee. Yeah. Yeah. Rudy Gay... Rudy Gay is shooting. Is that the highest PR of his career this year? <laughs> is that true? Yeah, love it. Highest true shooting. Love when numbers shooting forty one percent from three. Uh, so yeah, he, he's doing. I think sometimes these these players, they hit a bit of a rock bottom moment or sort of a mm-hmm. uh, like, oh god, my NBA life is really yeah, you know, in a certain survival mode, and they have they just sort of have to adapt. And for Gay, I think it was uh, first of all the fact that his teams never won. The horrible experience in Sacramento, but also the Achilles. Like, if he wanted to continue to play, yeah. he had no choice. And I think you saw that a little bit with certain other players. What you don't, we have yet to see that moment, I think, for Dwayne Wade, for Carmelo. Although some people named Carmelo in this exercise when we asked, I think they liked yeah. some of the things he's doing. I'm not sure I, I quite see that. Uh, yeah. The guy I wanted to shout out is someone who actually probably could make the All Star team anyway. Um, Still, um, so maybe this isn't the best answer, but I just love Al Horford. Oh yeah, love for sure, having a great year. He'll be an All Star, probably. You think so? Probably. In the, in the East, he's got to get. Yeah. Well, let's see. So there has to be. You have to have six. Uh, basically, six essentially bigs. six forwards, right? Or so. Uh, maybe like a couple more. So you obviously have LeBron, Giannis. Um, I think you'd have Porzingis. You probably have Drummond. M- be Drummond, who's having a great year. He, we might talk about later. He might not have enough games, but I do like Miles Turner if he picks it up a little bit. Um, yeah, the, the, the we haven't bigs. talked about Simmons yet either. Mm-hmm. Ben Simmons. Yeah, yeah, but he'd be a guard though. Oh, I guess technically you're right. Yeah. He would be. Oh, would he? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's the well, point I mean, guard. Bayless and Reddick, I would say, are their starting guards, right? And Bayless uh, has been out for a couple weeks now. He's out indefinitely, mm-hmm. and. Um, no, no. I mean, ben Simmons, Simmons is the point starting guard. point guard on the Sixers. Yeah, he plays point guard. He's just, averaging like yeah. eight and a half right. a I guess, game. I guess you're right. He would be a guard. I remember we had this dilemma with uh, with Giannis uh, yeah, last year. And Giannis is a little bit more positionally obscure because they do use him in a multitude of ways. But but Ben Simmons brings the ball up. Okay, and is right, the right. primary We don't need to okay, digress with more Simmons yes. talk. But, but yeah, okay, so, so he's bigs. probably going to be an but, all-star. But Horford's been one of the best defensive bigs in the league so far this year, as Mike will probably tell you. He always amazing is. Amazing defender this year. He's yeah. always been quite good, but I think this year he's really upped his rebounding. You, you got his three-point percentage up there because I think that's at an all-time high right now yeah, as well. Yeah, he was hot for a while. I mean, the things I, I like about him is that I, I have a bias for players that do things that are hard to see. Mm-hmm. Partially because I can say like, "Oh, I see you doing that," and I can tell other people that I see you doing that, and Greatest I feel pictures. I feel smart. <laughs> yeah, um, but I do think I just have a lot of respect for those players who um, don't really need credit for great screen setting or just sort of a cut or mm-hmm. uh, some of the other stuff that is a little more harder to notice, and they don't put up numbers, and they're just totally fine with it. Great. Is there a better screen setter for the for the pick, pick and roll or pick and pop? It's a good question. I think um, if you include illegal, then KG. Legal. <laughs> they, they all set illegal screens. <laughs> yeah, it's, there's no such thing. I would as say you know, Gobert is good, but it hasn't been quite as good this year. Doesn't have the pop part either, as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm, if you're talking just screening, yeah, yeah, sure. But you're sure. right; he does add sort of the uh, popping element. Yeah. Oh my God, I didn't realize his numbers were this good. Uh, yeah, he's shooting 49 percent on threes this year. That will not last. But you, you think about it, yeah. right? So the Celtics brought in all these new players. Yeah. They have a new pick and roll partner. 
And last year they just had their small five five eight point guard who's terrific. Who I know one of person here would find this blasphemous to suggest had the best season ever. What do you, what is the common denominator with all of those sort of things? Yeah, Al. Big yeah, Al. yeah. I mean, it's it's him. It's his ability to spring people open, his versatility to step in and out, mm-hmm. uh, to go on the block, his uh, ability to cover up defensively again on or off the ball. You know, he he's the guy lurking in the shadows, and every year his plus minus is so good. And it's, I think at some point we need to respect the work he does. Agreed. Who's Listen, your past All Star, Alex? Uh, my past All Star is Goran Dragic. Um, ah, good one. Has, will, he, has he made the All Star team? I think. Didn't so. he make one? Oh no, he he made All NBA, but not the All Star. That's correct. Well, whatever. All NBA is better. So wait, <laughs> true. Well, well done, guys. Two of you picked two non All Stars <laughs> for this question. At least mine's All NBA though. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know why I thought he made an All Star game. Um, just okay. He was the best player on the team that was the second best over the second half of last year, um, and I just love watching his game because he's a lefty, and I inherently find lefties have crafty games. Same. This is, um, this same. is like a Ben and, Ben thing too. And he's he's just like the perfect point guard for Eric Spolstra and what he wants to run and what he wants to do on offense. And uh, it's just he runs an offense where the sum is greater or the uh, the total is greater than the sum of its parts, and it's just so much fun. I love two things about him. One is that he's like the only player in the league that's mastered that like twelve foot baseline baby jumper on both sides. Like that is a really hard shot, yeah, and nobody shoots it except for him. Like I can't think of anyone else who does. And he also, when he gets to the hoop, he's so strong in that he can finish in a lot of different ways. And there's nothing particularly like artful about the way he finishes. He just kind of has this way of getting his body in right positions, and it, yeah. it goes off the glass the same way. And yeah, like, like Alex said, he's got this like kind of ability to just go dart one way, that way, that way, that way, that way, and then he goes kind of like a player that uh, you're going to talk about a little bit later that I know you've been a fan of for a long time. It's very similar in that regard. Oh, yes. No, Alex. Um, okay. So yeah, I don't know like how good he is, but I just I think he's fun to watch. Yeah. I, I just sort of like the way he toys with some of these players, and uh, he's definitely not a great passer relative no, yeah. to other point guards. He's good enough though. I mean, he's, he, yeah. I mean, it's not his strength, but he has a way of just finding ways to get downhill. And See, he's, he's he's crafty, and not yeah. just crafty, but he, again, when you're a good finisher and you're left-handed and you're crafty, that that makes you. Pretty good. I don't know. He he finishes a lot, and I guess it's another lefty, so it's a shitty analogy. But um, you know how Thad Young always finds a way to get the ball into his left hand at a certain mm-hmm. area around the basket. Dragic is the same, same way, same exact way, because yeah. he, he doesn't really have a right hand. None. He has no right. Hand, <laughs> it's like which, sort of a great thing. Yeah, but it, it's it, it's not much of a liability because defenses are just never used to having right, to force right. someone to go right because you always get that left yeah. hand. Um, some some we got some good ones from uh, listeners here. Um, Dini. But festive, uh, said Andre Iguodala, someone who's been yeah. getting uh, supplemented rest and has been a little bit off this year. But Iguodala I like Iguodala. Is a classic. Uh, we have a Horford here from Paulo H. We have Carmelo, LOL, joking from Steve Kraska. So I guess that's a not for Carmelo, actually. Horford again um, from TM Warning. Um, we got some Paul Millsaps. We got uh, Andre Drummond in there from Minnesota Timberwolves. Min- I guess he was a pass all-star. Yeah. Drummond again. Horford yeah, again. I guess we can't talk about Drummond as a breakout player, but, man, he's been – Pistons in general have been terrific. Yeah, they, they really have. Uh, Horford, by the way, a lot of Horford's on here. Because um, uh, he's, he's just such a delightful player to watch. <laughs> if you really 
Lorenzo Kike, Vince Carter forever. True, true. Vince Carter having a pretty <laughs> bad season, but it had to happen at some point. Uh, Clark Victor uh, said, Wade. Uh, this is like my <laughs> least favorite. Uh, Pau Gasol's on here, Paul Millsap. Pau Gasol's <laughs> had a pretty strong transition, I think, this year. Yeah. I, I, I'm impressed uh, yeah. with his ability. He doesn't really post up much anymore. He kind of just shoots threes. And, and, yeah. another one of and those he's Spurs, a great passer. So yeah, another one of those Spurs guys that they've rehabbed a little bit. Yep. All right, let's get to potential first-timer this year. Uh, this is a breakout player, someone who has not been an all-star yet, but uh, you know we project with likelihood will be this year. Um, I'll start it off because I have a little bit of uh, amends to make. I think I have shit on Victor Oladipo for three years of this podcast, and he's been great this year and has really added to both his jumper and how how much more efficient he's uh, finishing around the basket. Plus, he's like kind of the pace setter for a team. <laughs> See what we did there? See what we did there? Uh, he's a pace setter for a team who wants to play quickly and athletically. Um, and so in Turner's absence, uh, Miles Turner's absence in the beginning of the season, when he had his, uh, I guess, what, concussion maybe? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it was, yeah, Sabonis was playing great, but the real X factor was Oladipo has been playing at a, a Westbrookian level of output and usage uh, for the first month of the season. So I found Victor Oladipo's game to be fun to watch, efficient, where it wasn't last year. Uh, and ultimately, like, I gotta pay respects when I'm wrong about a young kid who who adds to his game and is finally probably in the right setting outside of the terrible Orlando teams he was with and uh, Russ's 900 pound shadow. How how much of this do you think is real? I mean, his shooting numbers are so much higher than they've ever been, and he's used his usage numbers are way up. And you know, there is a little bit of like a hitting the long twos in crunch time that you kind of remember. I mean, he was the number two pick in the draft, right? Yeah, he right. was. So so there's, you know, not all two picks are created the same. Evan Turner was a two pick, one behind John Wall. But Old Depot is definitely a guy who's po- supposed to have potential. He was a late bloomer. You know, he was a guy, I think he was DeMatha. Is that correct? Uh, a DC, DC area, area for yeah. sure. I forget so, exactly. But, but someone who was even not as highly touted when he was going to Indiana. So there's this late bloomer component, which a lot of times shows. Yeah, DeMatha. DeMatha, you're you correct. Um, same as Markel. And so what you have is. Um, a lot of times with late bloomers, guys who have a higher propensity to learn and uh, implement because that's how they had that quick rise. And so that's what I've seen with Oladipo at least year over year right now is, is a, a more natural shot with a higher release that isn't coming from fadeaways, although he has hit some ridiculous shots so far this season. Um, but yeah, look, they gave him the keys and he's driving the car smoothly. And I, I give my credit where it's due. And, and the numbers will come down a little bit, but they're so good right now that they can come down, and he's still going to be far exceeding expectations. Do you, think, do you think he makes the All Star team? Yeah, I do. I think he'll be the All Star from from the Pacers. Okay. Yeah. I have to think about guards a little bit. Oh, we forgot one forward in the forward discussion, but we'll talk about them in a bit. Okay. Uh, Alex, who is your who's your guy? So mine is Mike Conley. Who uh, it's a here we go. it's a God tragedy that he has never made an All Star game because of just how many great point guards what? are in the West. Okay, can you can you give your take about why he's better than Russell Westbrook that you delivered to us? So like fifty times, I like think, fifty times. I think outside of the Warriors, I don't know if there's a surefire team that wouldn't be as good or better if they replaced their point guard with Mike Conley. Wow, um, even. Um, even wow, yeah, yeah, because like, and and maybe viewers will disagree. We'll never know. No one will ever ask Pop, and he would never answer. But I, I think if Pop could have a choice between adding Mike Conley to the Spurs or Russell Westbrook, I think he'd choose Conley. Um, wow, and so and so that's 
that's the the what catalyzes my thought Why? process. <laughs> Why? Because oh, how can you ever disagree with pop? Yeah, but you're, you're, you you don't know you can't pop use a hypothetical. As a, <laughs> but this is that's the way. If I is, could do that, I like am, pop would say this, and because he said this, like oh, that must be true. Like you can't do that. Um, Kid Rock, you gotta give a little that, more than like, that. Yo, oh, pop, do sport. I do I deserve a raise? Well, I can't ask him that question, but <laughs> he probably would say yes. Yeah, and he can't disagree with pop. For the Thunder, with two other alpha scores, I I would would bet they would win more games with Mike Conley as their point guard. And this that's year. that's because he would be able. To, why he be able to settle he's, into more of a he distributor role is behind Chris Paul probably the best floor general in the game he would get the guys who score the ball when they want it where they want it and uh, and don't don't be skewed by the fact that they won like 47 or something games with Russell Westbrook last year that was kind of fluky they like their well, Pythagorean they also didn't have George and Miller last year so right, you, your point is that he's a better fit that's better what fit. you're saying basically yes. I, I he's don't, a better like Conley, player Conley isn't, isn't an ideal player to shoulder a huge huge burden and carry a team and drag a team but on a team built like the current thunder i'd rather have conley huh. okay let's go through some teams right now <laughs> the warriors would they trade Steph for mike conley no no okay no. would the houston rockets trade chris paul for mike conley if there was just for this year maybe i think he might be a better fit next to harden okay yeah, that's a maybe would the washington wizards trade john wall for mike conley no and let the record show you were very torn with this hypothetical. That if John Wall, uh, what was that? That if you could add Mike Conley yeah. instead of John Wall, I think it was like if I could get him for one game or one year, or maybe it was, inst- or, or maybe it was who you'd rather have, Conley or Westbrook. We on the do Wizards. so many hypotheticals involving Mike Conley that it's we have so not many. Him. All right, so not him. Um, Philadelphia instead of Ben Simmons. Fuck no. <laughs> 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 okay, well that settles that. Um, Kyrie instead of Kyrie on the Celtics. No, no, Kyrie's Kyrie. Oh yeah, I, I'd agree with that. Kyrie's, Kyrie. Kyrie's a better fit for the Celtics. Okay, da- instead of Damian Lillard on the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, ooh, I would say next to McCollum. I, I would almost rather see McCollum out of there and Dame and Connolly play ooh. together. No, see, I, I, you know, one guy I'm like going to be irrationally a fan of is McCollum. Oh, I'm not a fan of. Right. I love yeah. I, I'm, yeah. a, I'm one of those. I really enjoyed McCollum much more than Lillard. Right, kind of that's fair. fake takes. Okay, are there any other teams that have great point guards? That eh, I guess. Well, I think we've gone through most of the big ones. So here, here's some. <laughs> From so yeah, the Warriors and Celtics. I oh, think. let's get Mike's real quick. Mike, who's your first time? Oh, uh, I want to shout out Bradley Beal. There you go. Uh, get some hometown love. You know, Bradley Beal's only shooting thirty six percent of threes this year, and yet hmm. he's having a career year. Oh, he's been way better at going to the basket. It's this amazing year. how yeah. much better he's been going to the basket. He, you remember a couple years ago that when he had his leg injuries, that the big knock on him was that he would just pull up for long twos. Yeah, I don't know if that was coaching. I don't know if that was a fear of drawing contact. He was kind of awkward. It's kind of amazing what he's been able to do in two years under Scott Brooks and with health on his side. And he's he's really strong going to the basket. It's kind of like Dragic. There's nothing really fancy about the way he finishes, but when he jumps into you as a big guy, he finishes really strong, or he has been so far. Yeah. I'm looking for some stats to back this up, but um, I just I'm impressed that you know, he's having a great year, and he's not shooting the ball well, and I think that means he's going to continue to get even better as his shooting jumps up again. Like He has proven that he's a terrific three-point shooter, a better three-point shooter than this, and I think it, it, as it comes up, you know, it, we may be asking ourselves, like, which of the two guards on that team is better if we aren't already. Yeah. I'll just I, throw that out there. 
Well, that's a question that I would be asking you probably in about a two months from now on this podcast. So okay. we'll, we'll bucket that one or, or table it, yeah. I should say. Um, the other guy that a lot of people have mentioned uh, that I think we should talk a little about is Aaron Gordon. Yes, Aaron Gordon's on here a ton. So is Jokic, um, Porzingis, a um, lot of Jokic for this one. Yeah, I mean, he's fun to watch. Yeah, he's Embiid really is on here. Uh, more Porzingis, more Porzingis, Aaron Gordon, Aaron Gordon. Although for the folks that are like under 25 years old, it's a little different. Yeah, You're talking about guys that are likely to eventually make it. That's right. Well, do you think, okay, but coming into the season, you never thought to yourself, wow, Aaron Gordon could be an all-star. That's I mean, has Carl Anthony Towns been an all-star before? No, but right. but, again, but you would all younger, say like yeah. Carl. But he and Embiid and Porzingis Beal. are obviously going to be all-stars one day. Yeah, Embiid yeah, and Bradley yeah. Beal before last year, you didn't necessarily think it was a shoe-in that he would make an all-star team. Yeah, that's fair. That's true. And Conley, obviously, we know he's not like, a shoe-in to make an all-star team. Yeah, he probably will never make an all-star game. I think he might make it this year. Unless he just goes on some totally out of character self promotion tour, <laughs> they, they make like so a, co- a cologne scented in Connolly. Yeah. Uh, um, one quick point, Aaron Gordon. Um, yeah. I think his shooting's going to come down. He's shooting some ridiculous numbers, but I do think a his form looks a lot better. There's he's up and down. It's much more fluid. Yep. He's actually dipping the ball. You know, like when you kind of bring it down and then mm-hmm. up, it's just a more natural motion. He's doing that really well, and he's shooting well from mid range too. So it's not like he is only kind of hitting threes. Mm-hmm. He, like all the other players in the Magic, like finally they've put some shooting on the floor now with Vucevic launching threes. And look at all the space he has. And he, no more of him like being a three and being Paul George. Like it's just so much easier the game for him. I don't, yeah. it makes you wonder like what the hell they were waiting for. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the fluidity of his shot is massive. When you're someone who's such a strong jumper, that can sometimes be a negative yeah. for your jump shot because you your, see Blake your timing. Griffin, for example. That's right. It took Blake years to get the hitch out. And Blake's a much better shooter now, but still with a little bit of a hitch. Um, all right. Now let's get to a a good role player. Who, uh, they, they, they just, you just get in his corner. You get on that island if it's waiters who it's not in this case. Um, no, definitely not. But the idea here is this is someone who you just you go to bat for. You argue that this is a player who's better than some other team's star. And I'll start off uh, because I have <laughs> Made this argument somewhat facetiously and now, like, full heartedly, and I believe it. Uh, Robert Covington for the Sixers. I've said in the past, I think he's better than Andrew Wiggins is right now. Um, there's almost no stat uh, that Mike's going to like find. Andrew Wiggins is number one fan right here. <laughs> and there's almost no stat Mike's going to find now that supports Andrew Wiggins over Rocco. But um, the thing with Covington <laughs> that I think it stands out more than anything. Um, but n- Alice's face right now is like, you know, like uh, when in the animations where like the big face like, gets bigger and then it eventually will explode. The steam is coming <laughs> out of his ears. <laughs> Let like the record show <laughs> my statement on Wiggins that warranted that response from Prada is merely that he's a top 30 player. He's not a top, He's not 30, top 30 player, 30, obviously. <laughs> well, and so then Anyhow. what Ben is ostensibly arguing in your mind is that Robert Covington is a top 30 player. Right. Which I'm, I'm Which I not disagree with. arguing that. I right. don't think that he is, but I think that Covington is... Um, in a weird East this year, he's been one of the best perimeter players in the Eastern Conference. He's shooting over like around, if not quite slightly over 50% from three on exactly a 50. ton of attempts. So 50% on 7.4 a game. That's a, that's a like, you're, you're, find me anybody else in the league shooting like that. But it's, it's also important to note here, though, that Covington is defensively one of the most versatile wings in the league. He is exceptional with what he disrupts with just his hands and anticipation on defense. And he's a really, really important piece for the team he's playing on because they don't have a lot of other court spacers aside from J.J. Redick, so they needed someone else to assume a court spacing, three-point shooting responsibility. And it helps when that guy's also not a defensive liability, 
but in fact, one of the more defensive superior player. Absolutely. Um, so I mean, Covington's been great. He's made steps this year that I did not anticipate coming from him that you have to give, again, credit where it's due. What are those steps? Because we knew that he could go on shooting sure. bridges. What He's are... a more consistent three-shooter so far. He's been yeah. way better around the basket, slashing, trying to get the end ones, using the idea that, and this is a very uh, astute thing he's learned from Redick, Redick is so good at using his pump fake because you assume he's shooting the three and then he gets a wide open two or a wide open lane. Um, so those are things, you know, Covington's gotten better at uh, consistency with the three, understanding what that weapon means then for the next play that comes after it. You know, you learn the jab, then you learn the jab crossover, then you learn the jab show and go. You have the iterations of what he's been able to accomplish with having a better three-point sh- uh, shot. But also, like, you got to keep in mind, this was a non-drafted D-leaguer. No, it's, it's a like, great story. There are very few players in the NBA with that type of background to a couple weeks from now, he's going to be a very high-paid wing. Um, yeah, and, maybe and a couple days from now. A couple days from now, yeah, I'm sorry, and deservedly so. Um, so I give Covington a ton of credit. He's not a national name, but he's finding his way into those national conversations now, and that got started last year by finishing, was it third or fourth in defensive? Yeah, he got one first-place vote. Defensive uh, player yeah, of the year. No, he, he's quite good, and, I mean, look, it's no small thing to get up seven and a half threes a game. I mean, it, I, I watch sometimes, and I wonder, like, if these teams are just not if he's still not on their radar in the scouting report where it's like if you guys like a little bit of space he's going to shoot it so you better run him off the line and I still think he's got problems there but they still haven't had that updated scouting report yet the big three hit last night against Clippers dude runs out to him doesn't put his hand up and Covington just shoots the three. He's going to shoot it no yeah, matter how much daylight it. he has. It's exactly. amazing. Exactly. That's a skill. Uh, so there's Covington for me. Who you got, Mike? Uh, I wanted to pitch this to Alex because I know you wanted to talk up this guy who is getting a little bit of buzz right now. Clint Capella. He is such a uh, an undervalued and appreciated part of that Houston Rockets squad. Their defense would be non-existent if it weren't for him. He cleans up so much. Such a good rebounder. Uh, perfectly effective on offense, finishing those lobs and setting those picks for Harden. Um, yeah, Clint Capella, uh, probably the Rockets' second best player so far with Chris Paul out. Yeah, Yo, no, I got he, no arguments there. He's been awesome. He's been mm-hmm. great, and I think he's you know the, the challenge is still how many minutes does he play? Uh, but no, I think he's really improved on the defensive end this year. He's one of those guys too who um, I mean I, I've always looked at him as kind of like a mini DeAndre Jordan, but he actually has got some other skills that Jordan doesn't even have obviously being smaller. He's one of those guys who um, gets put in the media program at 6, and you guys can't see him putting up air quotes, 6'9", <laughs> but he's not 6'9", just like Kevin Durant's <laughs> not 6'9". He's listed at 6'10", and I don't think he's 6'10". Yeah, he's, like, these are the things, I don't know if you saw this, someone tweeted this the other day, it was like, just so we're all clear again, sorry for the quick aside here, but like, it showed Jordan Bell, who's listed at 6'9", or 6'10", Standing next to uh, Kevin Durant in an Instagram picture, who's also listed at 6'10". And Durant is four inches taller than him. Like, Durant's still growing. He's <laughs> literally still growing. Um, so it's just, I don't know, Capella's one of those guys who, um, he plays really big. He's really smart with his steps towards the rim when he's rim running. Like, he's always going off his, his left foot to dunk right-handed. Um, yeah, I mean, look, Capella saw there was a, a need to be filled with how the Rockets play and was like, I can do that. Yeah, I can definitely do that. So, who you got, Mike? Good guess. I was going to name another young center that I really like as a role player uh, and also an older center. That's Steven Adams Mm -hmm. in Oklahoma City. I think a lot of the same things you say about Capella is true with Adams. Now that there's more space on the floor, you're seeing just what a clever screener and pick and roll player he is, especially with with Russell Westbrook. He doesn't now have to shoot a ton of floaters. And I just think defensively he's super solid. You know, that team – 
doesn't have like with they have some really good defenders, but when when he's in the game and you know unless a team is really playing a really small lineup, he's really good at just covering up space. He's a great defensive rebounder. Yep. Uh, I think and I just think he has really good technique and. and you know, this is a guy that you know. In, in today's modern day, these these players are twenty eight minute a game players. Yeah, you know, and that's I think uh, not a bad thing. I and mean, he is playing thirty one minutes a game, but I think ideally, if they had legitimate backup, which they don't, obviously, yep. he would play less, and that's okay. I mean, their backup is they go Grant at center. Well, like Pat Patterson, yeah, who's Patterson, having right. a terrible year. If you saw a few people mention him for this category, I think yeah. that would have been true in the past, but. So I think, um, but I think in those right. twenty eight minutes. I also think you're right too, Mike. Though is that I think OKC fan base perceives Adams is exactly what you're saying. Like they're he's their guy type type player. Like I, I don't know if that makes any sense, but it, yeah. he's their Covington. He's their. We have Joe Ingles as someone who came up here. Uh, you know, Joe Ingles is one, was is one of my favorites too. Although uh, yeah. he's not having a, 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 that entire team. The Jazz yes. like realize you realize how important Hayward was looking at well, some of those players. No, no, Gobert for the foreseeable future. Right, well, that too. well, so the thing with Adams is, I think some I tend to like these players that do things that you can't necessarily say that like normal that's, people don't just see on TV. Yeah, well, okay. yes, okay, because okay. it makes me seem smart. But um, <laughs> you no, are. I, I you just are. think like like one of the things that Mike, is, your credibility is the only reason this podcast exists. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Like some of these players, like the problem with 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 like kind of evaluating defenses, you know, they're doing a better job with screening. Is that the best result on a defensive possession is no result? Mm-hmm. You know, so it's kind of hard to measure someone that has prevented something from happen happening. You know, so I think that's sort of one of the challenges that you run into. But um, no, Steve Downs is great. Uh, yep. He's. I also want to shout out Marching Gortat because I just love seeing him set screens, <laughs> and I think he's another one of those players that. The ways that they're they're bad are obvious, but the ways that they're good are less so. Yeah, and I think that's really important. There you um, go. Um, so we got we got uh, Will Barton made this. Uh, I like uh, Will Barton quite a bit. Barton's been great. Uh, Kuzma has been uh, good. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Avery Bradley's on here. Jameer Nelson. Uh, let's see. A lot of Marcus Smart. Dante who's... Murray. Enos Cantor. Cantor's a good one. He's yeah, Cantor's having a great year. Playing really well. Uh, Daniel Tice. Um, Can't say I watched him too much. He's Brad. been good on Boston. He's another guy who's like a, a finished product of sorts, but he was a defensive player of the year last year in Germany, and you can see how it translates. Yeah, I mean, he's fine. Alfarik Aminu, Will Barton again, Joe Ingles again, Corver, and Corver literally won a game last night for yeah, the Cavs. Corver's a good one. Etwan Moore is a player mm-hmm. that someone mentioned. I think that was Ryan Blackburn. Yeah, that's another one of my favorite players. Plus 6.7 on off net this year. Spacing. Every year he has good on off net ratings. He's another one of those guys. Avery Bradley, I think, is having a really good year for Boston. Yep. Uh, someone mentioned I, I, Lou Williams th- on here. Again, mm. you know, interest, interesting players. Um, oh, let's get. To, we don't have too much time left, so we got to make sure. Uh, we, yes, our favorite random favorites. <laughs> this is my. This is the one I'm like really into. Right, start who is off, like then. the who? Alex, who is the, the player that you think is like the, doesn't play very much and like you would only pay attention to like as like zone out on league pass like who are those guys for you so he's starting to be a pretty prominent player but that's certainly unexpected i was thinking jared jack because yeah. the knicks are quietly surprising everyone and he's been a huge reason why um he's kind of stabilized their point guard spot where that looked like a big weakness coming in with how young Nilakina is and all that so 
I'd for sure go Jerry Jack. Right. Yeah, he's starting now. The, his insertion in the starting lineup is was has been what turned them around. Yeah, now, it, I, it checks Hardaway because Jack likes to pound the ball a little bit too, and then find Porzingis. And that way, in that case, Hardaway doesn't have. Oh, that's the ball. interesting way of putting it. I didn't think of that. <laughs> so he he, vol- he vacuums touches yeah. away from Hardaway, <laughs> <laughs> which is good because then when Hardaway does get the ball, he's more inclined to score in those moments. Interesting. Uh, he was good last night for three quarters. Um, I'm going to stay in the city here. I'm going to go with uh, Spencer Dinwiddie. Ah, yeah. No, I like him too. This yeah. is a good good call. I like Dinwiddie's game. Um, you know, when you get to watch him live, he's always under control, uh, can shoot a little bit, really doesn't do anything wrong, doesn't do anything really, really well. But as someone who I liked in college, he was a backcourt teammate in college with a kid named Askia Booker, who was a, a kid I coached in AAU hoops uh, at Colorado. Um, and so always kind of found myself watching you see Boulder play, and then you're like, holy shit, this kid Dinwiddie's like really, he's really good. And he was exceptional in college, and you can see him trying to find his niche in the pros. He had a bad leg injury when he first got into the league, and that kind of stunted it. But like, he's a good part of an overachieving, pretty deep, because they don't have a whole lot of strength at the top, but overall depth Nets team. Um, and I like, I just like watching Dinwiddie play. I, yeah, I feel good. confident when he has the ball in his hands if I'm a Nets fan. Dinwiddie, the Nets are much better when Dinwiddie's in the game than yep. when D'Angelo Russell's in the game. Just going to throw it Interesting. out there. Another guy I like on the Nets who I think I, I never understood why he doesn't get more, hasn't got more of a shot is Joe Harris. I yeah, mean, I like totally. Joe Harris too. Wahoo wah. Um, the guy I want to mention though, the clear winner for me is Anthony Tolliver. <laughs> you love Anthony Tolliver. Love Anthony Tolliver. Uh, one of those players that just sort of slips through the cracks and you don't know why. Mm-hmm. He again another player where you, he doesn't screw up, so that there are ways that uh, you you measure only his effectiveness and on off. He's always in the right place. Pretty good shooter. Stays in his role. You know, defensively he fights hard. He will, he can play a post player. He can play a perimeter player. Uh, he can hedge. He can. Do all those things. Um, he doesn't stray out of his zone on offense. He's really good at. I, I really like the players that are good at spacing the floor, and so they're making the cut that gets them open or gets someone else open that mm-hmm. you wouldn't notice. And ever since he's been thrown back in the rotation, the Pistons have really taken off. And every this happens everywhere he goes. Who would you rather have, uh, Tolliver or PJ Tucker? I, they're different players because Tucker is uh, more of a, I think, a wing. He's better one-on-one defender, mm-hmm. uh, so you would throw Tucker out there against some of the top wings out in the game. I think it depends what team you're talking about. Like for the Wizards, who would you rather have? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, I mean, it's a tough one. The thing that breaks the tie, though, is that PJ Tucker's making eight million dollars a year, and yeah. Anthony Tolliver's making the by any old exception. Mm-hmm. So that's right. He makes three point two nine million dollars. Right. So and and I think a lot of people are like, oh, Anthony Tolliver, like it's a minimum guy. Uh, but no, I mean, everywhere he goes, he's also a great teammate. Uh, they talk a lot about his leadership. It's just one, sometimes there are these players that they don't. You don't look at them, and there's one thing that they do particularly well, mm-hmm. or sort of maybe emphatically. Like PJ Tucker is an emphatic individual defender. Like the, when you conjure up this image of PJ Tucker, you think of his physicality. Mm-hmm. When you conjure up this image of Anthony Tolliver, there's not like one thing that you say that kind of immediately comes to mind qualitatively about yeah, I, him. When I think of Anthony Tolliver, I just see like any guy wearing a kind of a, a red penny, like a, a you know pennies, like no. a red like a warm up uh, uh, jersey. Pennies. You ever heard that? Term why, before? why do you see that? With because he's just like an, an, an amalgam of all role players that have ever played in the NBA. 
<laughs> just like so, not on a team, not in a specific uniform. Just yeah, like in a it's red like, practice jersey. It's like, yeah, what, what's the team that like if Anthony Tolliver were, were to go into the Hall of Fame, like yeah. what jersey would he right. You'd just be East. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, no, it's true. I don't know. I think that there are a lot of these players that some of these teams that are have spent a lot of money on players who uh, they have like a defining skill right. or something that kind of defines them. They could really use more of these like kind of, you know what, this guy just comes in every day, does his stuff. I think like the guard version is Garrett Temple, uh, who's mm-hmm. playing well for Sacramento. Um, there are a few other guys I kind of like. I, I do want to shout out Jonathan Simmons, who's probably a little ahead of this category. Yeah. But he's having an awesome year for Orlando as sort of their their playmaker on the second unit. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, another player benefiting from all the space around him. Yep. You wonder what happened, why the Spurs didn't keep him, uh, if those personality issues were so rough. And one other, two other guys, uh, Ekbe Udo in Utah. And DeLon Wright, I think, is really another one of those sort of solid, like, doesn't screw up type of guys yeah. in Toronto. Yeah, we, you just you look at them and you're like, what does that guy do? Well, I'm not really sure, but the team's always better when he's on the court. Yeah. Etwan Moore is another example. Yeah, just, we got uh, we got um, P.J. Tucker, Julius Randle from, from – Julius uh, Randle is a bench – I guess he is technically he's a bench guy now. He shouldn't be, a, but – Yeah. Um, we got uh, Wile Hernan Gomez. Who is not playing right now. So T.J. McConnell. Yeah, TJ McConnell, I would have expected quite a bit Dragon of Dragon Bender, OG, Ananobi. Yeah. OG is a lot of fun. Uh, let's see, a few more Omri Caspi, another yes. guy who's very much like Tolliver. And just, these are listener uh, uh, ones I'm reading right now. We have DeAndre Liggins. We have Daryl Arthur, Kelly Oubre. Yeah, Kelly Oubre. Uh, Did you see his killer crossover last yeah, night? Yeah, it was nice. I was, I, mean, uh, I was like, wait, he, I had to like rub my eyes and be like, was that Kelly Oubre? He's also a <laughs> beautiful dunker. He has yes. great symmetry on his pullback. It's left-handed. Yes. Um, Jerry and Grant is on here. Jeremy Grant. I'm assuming that, sorry, it says Jay Grant, so it could have been either one. <laughs> I guess you're um, right. It could have been. I'm going to assume it's Jeremy, though. You're right. Oh, your favorite uh, from Peg, Peg uh, Paulo H. Uh, Ish Smith. No, another ah, good selection. Love I like that. Great selection. Uh, Trevor Booker. Uh, let's see. Anybody else I'm missing here? Tyreek Evans. Actually, has been pretty good this year, too. Really um, good. Have you seen shooting numbers so far this yeah. year? Um, shout out to Tariq, Chester's finest. Um, Will Barton's on here. TJ McConnell. Swaggy P, who's in the perfect role for him. Nene. Nene is very solid, yeah. but doesn't play very much anymore. Yeah. But yeah, when he, another one of those you know guys that uh, just... There's not like I guess he has more of a defined quality, yeah. but just gets stuff done. Uh, another Rocket, who I think we should put in here is Mbamute. I think he's yeah, he's, he's been terrific. Great. Yeah, uh, yeah, a lot of guys cool. in the Rockets. Anyhow, so as you can see, there are lots of interesting players. This was a fun thought experiment. Yeah. It's obviously early in the year. And so when we talk about these players, yeah, now you know that we're like a little biased. So like when we tout, we talk about the impact Anthony Tolliver makes uh, and the impact that. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie makes and the impact that Jared Jack makes, you know that we're biased. Right. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, keep sending those in. Like, who, who are the pe- people that you'll stand for in each of these categories? When you're in an argument with a friend and you and they, like, don't really get what, this, what makes these players valuable or any of that stuff, like, who are the guys <laughs> that you're going to stand for? Yeah. Who's, like, the role player that is way better than the secondary star Another team who's like the emerging all star that isn't getting enough love. Yeah, it's, who's a superstar that you just enjoy watching? That's not LeBron and not Durant. Yeah, it's not enough just to have a team to stand behind. Get like ten random guys from across the league that, if their names come up in conversation, that you get passionate about arguing on their behalf, and uh, and then stay there and never ever leave their side. Um, 
Cool. This was fun, though. I want to thank all the listeners for the uh, for giving us their time too for the lists of uh, of their players, who they're passionate about. Uh, Alex Rubenstein for hopping in here uh, again. Thank you for making the time today, buddy. Always a pleasure. Mike Prada, as always, now you guys know that Mike likes the finer things about basketball and his players. <laughs> well, you didn't know that before. <laughs> uh, and, I, and I'm Ben Epstein. As always here, uh, this has been the Limited Upside Podcast. <laughs>